Kia ora everyone, welcome to the Side Hit Podcast, I'm your host Fat Tony and today you asked for it, you've got it, we've got Dylan Butt in the house today, welcome Dylan. Hey Tones, how are you? Good, good bro. Good, good to be here man, thank you for oh. having me on. Ah oh, sweet, how's your summer been? Yeah good, real good thanks, just um, yeah enjoying a bit of uh, up north time and yeah back in the Wanaka summer now and jumping in the lake and hanging with my kids yeah it's it's awesome bro nice full spectrum eh? warm sandy beaches to cold glacial lakes <laughs> yeah totally Mean. it's all good though and how are the kids going up and up north been stoking out on it oh yeah awesome bro like proper proper kiwi summer you know like board shorts beers jandals <laughs> mean yeah it's certainly been a mix. no showers hitting the beach every day yeah it was, it was epic <laughs> Rad, you get a bit of surfing in? Oh yeah, a wee bit, a wee bit, but it was just it was just most, mostly like little beach missions and you know, camping did like a solid almost two weeks of camping and oh, hanging with my Fano, which was yeah, super cool. Oh cool. Do you, yeah, been a while since you've seen the fam. Yeah, sort of yeah, totally my they're the they're all up north, so it's yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's kind of the annual summer trip to go and catch up with all the cousins and brothers and sisters and yeah, it's it's rad. Oh, cool man. Oh, we'll kick it off. Um, Dill, where are you from and how'd you get into snowboarding? Um, I am from originally uh, Glenfield in Auckland, G-Field. Um, I grew up there until I was a kind of early teenager and then um, moved up to Muriwai Beach, which is where kind of most of my family is from. So we, we were always at Muriwai as well as kids. Um but yeah, G Field is where it all started, North Shore. Mean. And were you surfing or skating or anything back then? Or? Um, yeah, skating. <clears throat> Skateboarding was like, we got pretty hyped on skating when we were about kind of 10 years old, I think. <clears throat> and yeah, that, yeah, like pretty hyped, like, you know, all the mini ramps, skating, you know, all the primary schools. Um, Birkenhead Skate Park, like the, the early version of that, right. Devo Ramp. So was this sort of the Bones Brigade era of skateboarding? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, right. yeah, Bones Brigade, Christian Hosoi. Sweet. So yeah. who, who were you looking at in skateboarding, skateboarding time being like, yeah, that's the shit? Oh, dude, fucking just all those guys, really. Thrasher, used to read Thrasher. Um, I think <clears throat> the thing that actually the thing that like turned me onto skating was there was an, a Team Alva demo oh. at the glenfield mall whoa which has this like super steep car park it was like run by like sterling sports who were like the kind of the skate shop back then oh, i had no idea <clears throat> the alva team came out yeah dude, it was team alva well tony alva wasn't there but it was like jeff hartzell um eric nash bunch of other dudes and they did this demo in the glenfield mall shopping <clears throat> fucking shopping center car park and yeah and it was sick like I remember Jeff Hartzell specifically he, he like <clears throat> had the massive dreads he was ollieing like put a tro- shopping trolley on the side he was like ollieing over that and they were doing like full like power slide runs down the car park sick it was sick and then I think we actually my brother Seamus took me out to um Piha like the next day cause they were doing there was a vert ramp at Piha they were doing a demo there and I think it got rained off and they ended up going to like a this like mini ramp in a shed at Piha and they're all ripping there. Lee Ralph was there. 
I feel like he was like skating in like dock boots with no laces. <laughs> and yeah. then we went to Linfield Bowl. Um, no, New Lynn Bowl. Right. After that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean uh, everyone seems... I've not ever seen Lee Ralph in person, but there's always those sort of myths yeah. about Lee Ralph, about your know, barefoot grinds, oh, yeah. barefoot smith grinds. Totally. And, and he was a big dude too, yeah. you know, like, like the whole fucking shed would be shaking when he was skating holy like, shit but yeah and that that's what kind of yeah after seeing that i was like oh my god like skateboarding is fucking so rad like and yeah so we got we got super hyped on it then i used to skate with this my buddy um dean clark rest in peace dean fucking who was just like super talented skateboarder just really good and oh. yeah we just we just yeah, skate all the time, basically. Sweet. And was there quite a few crews of people skating? Was this sort of the when skating was was skating quite big about this time? Or sort of had it died off between the Alva and the Vert sort of? Yeah, it was kind of. Um, I guess it was like. I guess we're talking like kind of mid eighties here, oh, right. like you know, maybe like eighty six, kind of eighty seven, eighty eight. It was. It was when it was having its neck. It's like. A big resurgence, so sort of coming out of the yeah, trough. yeah, yeah. All the brands were like coming out, like you know, there was like Pal, Alva, Schmidt Sticks, Vision. All yeah. the, it was all the Vision Gons boards and yeah, right, yeah, cool. And so we, was it just you and Dean skating together, or was it uh, there a whole? Oh, crew? there was there was a bunch of crew, man. There was like crew all over the shore, like dudes who uh, you know still do like Brett Chad and my friend Joel Bastard like just heaps of crews from all the you know Tacker yeah Northcote Glenfield Sick. Albany crew you know we used to skate out at the um <clears throat> there was a vert ramp at the Albany ski slope there was like a fake plastic ski slope out there alright and they had a vert ramp there and I used to yeah skate there with like Simon Clegg and Nick Clegg Guy Dirksen Dean, so we kind of tried to get into vert. I, I, I wasn't that. I wasn't really that good at it, but we used to try and skate mm. it. You know, like it was. And was Murray kicking around too? Oh yeah, time? totally, like, totally. Murray was days. like a full kind of pro then, I guess. You know, it was kind of, it was a little bit pre, um, the like New Deal days, but yeah. it was kind of leading into that. Main. Yeah. How did so? How did snowboarding come to the picture then from skating in Auckland? I, um shit how did it we used to <clears throat> we did a like a family ski trip every year with my cousins and mum and dad and our fam and their fam and some friends and we go down to Aokuni <clears throat> do missions down there and we're, we're just skiing at that stage like snowboarding wasn't wasn't really around you didn't really see snowboarders um and then my older brother Seamus when I think he moved down to Queenstown in maybe like 87 I think it was was, yeah I think I think it was 87 um just to have a winter you know he was a surfer moved down there and ended up getting into snowboarding through he ended up with uh, like Aaron Bolt and Steen Webster and probably Ewan and that whole early like NZ snowboard crew yeah you know and then and I think Ewan's talked about it um 
a bunch of American guys were floating around, Brad Reeser and those guys who started up uh, Yanks Snowboards, yeah. like the first snowboard shop, pretty much, I'd say, in the country. Yeah. And they all got involved with that, and, yeah, he got turned on to snowboarding. And, and then the next year, when I came down, I think he actually went to Colorado and did a winter there right. with Steen and maybe Aaron Bolt and kind of got, like, you know hooked on it was like man this is this is awesome <clears throat> so then naturally as soon as i got down there i was like oh yeah i was like i want to snowboard like <laughs> so did, did you sort of show up with a pair of skis and then leave with a snowboard sort of thing? <laughs> yeah kind of i know yeah. i didn't i didn't have my own one i i ended up <clears throat> i think the first time i tried it was in qt um seamus hooked me up a board through yanks it was like a sims pocket knife or something and he but they didn't have any like kids boots or any small boots then so he he basically just took the high backs off and i just used my ski boots <laughs> <laughs> and the bindings with no high backs so I, like try you know like tried to get it together yeah you know, i was kind of like i couldn't you know you just like go straight and fall over Mm. and not really learn how to turn but could could like even yeah could like hit a little knuckle and like do an ollie though (laughs) (laughs) oh sweet and so it didn't take long for the bug to um bug to take and then you were hooked yeah totally i think i so i did like maybe maybe only one or two days that season and then came back the next year we started we ended up coming down south because we'd go to Awakuni for like 10 days and ski for like three days because mm. the diabolical weather that tends to happen up there sometimes but um and then yeah next season we came down and i was skiing again and then i think we used to go to mount hart and stay in methan and i got rented a board from somewhere like a it was like a burden cruise 135 and I did like some consecutive days and got like yeah real hyped on it at that point and yeah from that stage on I was like mm, yeah I don't think I'll be skiing again. So and I I think actually from I don't think I ever skied again after 1988. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, look, you look at what people were skiing in 1988 and it's like holy shit any wonder snowboarding sort of um, came along. I yeah, in like '92, like. I was 12 and I was on 165 straight skis. Like, well, of course I'm going to bail. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, snowboarding was just so much more fun, you know? Like, mm. oof, soft boots and... No yeah, jump. Yeah, and, and like, you know, I, it was just like, man, it's it's just... It's skateboarding mm. on the snow. And once you actually learned how to control the board, it was like... I can I can like do these tricks that are like real fucking hard on a skateboard, but you know I can do a method here and mm. a, you know mm. a frontside here and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a happy twist <laughs> backside three. It was like wow, this is sick. So yeah, you don't have to do jump turns. I remember that time on skis, like jump turning was the thing. I can yeah like, yeah. I like I was never really a great skier. <laughs> we just used to rip around, but you know we'd. Mm. It was the same thing. We'd just like try and hit jumps and just rip around everywhere. But uh, yeah, I was definitely not any kind of like aspiring like ski racer or anything. Yeah, it's just. Uh, so Seamus was a big part of the early days uh, for you, obviously big bro sort of getting you hooked on snowboarding sort of thing. Um, he was uh, 
Was this about the time where he sort of started working with Dave Partridge and Snowsticks? Yeah, totally. He he ended up being um, he was like based in Christchurch, and then yeah, and I guess that whole kind of scene was kicking off. Like Dave Partridge was making Snowstick snowboards, five um, forties, outerwear. Oh, right. Was was that Dave? We're kicking. No, that wasn't Dave. Oh, that was right. that wasn't um, was, um, someone else. Bromman and Bill yeah. or someone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bromman and Bill, and then and Seamus got like yeah he got involved in that whole scene I guess and he was working for a time there with um, Dave Partridge at like helping to make boards at Snow Six and that was that was actually the first board my first own board Seamus hooked me up like a. A Snow Six 145 Mini, I think Sick. it was. Super rad, like the black top sheet with like the um, square kind of hand-drawn graphic. Mean. Yeah, it was, it was sick. And, and I was like, oh my God, I've got my own snowboard. Like, it's, it's all on. Game changer there. Right? <laughs> yeah. Mean. And um, so were you, um, so he was involved with Snow Sticks for quite a few years right or... yeah a couple maybe not too long like a couple of years and then he ended up um he potentially like worked with whoever was like just importing or distributing Burton at the time okay and then I think he actually got approached by Burton US because they wanted to become independent yeah and um and that's when he he met Guy Alti and they started Higher Ground and they became like the burden distributors for New Zealand so and I guess oh man I'm the years ah I this is this is maybe like 90 early 90s like around 92 maybe or 93 oh sweet I, I never knew I mean, I'm an outsider looking in anyway. I never knew it was Seamus. I always just high ground guy LT. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Know, just in as, as an outsider looking in. Yeah, sort of yeah. So Seamus was quite... Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was Seamus and Guy. They were partners. Right. They started high ground. Oh, yeah. sweet. And uh, went on to sponsor quite a few um, prominent um, New Zealand riders. Yeah, totally. I mean, the first time I ever seen, became aware of like yourself was... Remember when TV3 used to do the um, coverage of the Nationals with Chucky Shearer? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember seeing you do this run on the Burton Twin 47 with the um, blue blue base, oh, yeah, yeah, blue block yeah. base, base graphic, yeah. doing like like boned out Ollie the Fakies in the pipe. It was like, oh, rad. I want to fucking figure out how to do that and shit. Um, yeah, so, yeah. No, I remember I definitely rode that board. I think yeah. I think the first nationals I did actually was um it was maybe in like ninety three and I was on this board that you've got here, like a Burden Air five point one. The red, like purple and high vis orange. Um <laughs> that was maybe my third board that I had. I had the snow six. I think I sold the snow six. I was all about like selling to like upgrade. I yeah. got like one of the a Santa Cruz ASIM shredded that for a year and then James was like yo I'll get you a bird and I was like yep got that and I was down on like the ski trip with my parents and then they they were like Seamus was like oh you should come and do the nationals with me 
it'll be fun and my parents were like yeah okay and so they left me I think I, I <clears throat> they delivered me up to Christchurch and I um <clears throat> we drove down and it was actually it was Seamus myself and Ollie Brunton no way yeah sick and so we drove down to do the nationals at Cadrona right and um <clears throat> yeah there's no like there's no junior section or anything and that in those days I think it was like a dual slalom a giant slalom and half pipe you know like the yeah. pretty much the hand dug or maybe they even had like some kind of funky shaper then but it was a good pipe it was decent I think there was a one where Spice talking about they'd use a chainsaw to help shape it yeah yeah it was like about 8 feet high you know or something mm. and I did that and I think I like I ended up getting like 5th I think <laughs> in like the open so were you a legit grump was this when you were a grom sort of thing oh totally so like yeah yeah I was... Jar Harris would have been the only grom in the competition then oh no Jar wasn't even there oh right no nah. it was like pre Jar I was the grom basically oh right yeah <laughs> yeah oh sick. Yeah, it was me I remember there was this young Swiss dude yeah and all the like Murray and Alex McDonald Brendan like a full like North Island crew they all came down Steve Scott they all had like shaved heads they came down on a big camper van trip oh sick um well it's interesting you bring up Murray because a lot of people only really associate Murray with um professional vert skating and doing what he's doing now he's helped nurture the New Zealand skateboard scene for decades but um but he was actually quite um he was up there or around in the scene on snowboards for the early 90s for sure right like yeah yeah you know. well, well totally you know because he was he was already in, involved in the industry mm. and and you know obviously such a fucking great skateboarder that yeah so for him like snowboarding was probably pretty easy yeah because <laughs> yeah. yeah. he could do all the tricks straight away you know yeah yeah he's done them all on the skateboard anyway yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah, I mean, and like, yeah, and yeah, who else was there? It was like Roy Hawthorne, um, yeah, Ollie B. Ollie B was pre- Ollie Brunton was he was he was ripping pretty hard at that point. I think JMS John Malcolm Smith. Oh yeah, potentially JMS won that year, and like, I remember Ollie was kind of gutted because he was like, "Fuck!" Like, because <laughs> Ollie had like this super rad style, you know, yeah. like the skate style. Working as style we've come to know and love, yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, he got he he maybe got like second or third. Well, it's interesting you bring up Ollie Brunton because I'll fast forward the tape just for a hot minute. Um, and uh, when I lived in Colorado, you and yeah, uh, you come and crashed on our, our floor. Yeah, and I was riding a unit board at the time, so we had a yeah unit moment. And uh, you were telling me something about Ollie Brunton's switch riding, like he was so good switch, you couldn't. I. I don't know if I'm even getting it right here, but his switch right you couldn't tell if he was regular or goofy before people were that was really a thing. Was yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So this this I think this comes from um my first trip that I did overseas, yep. which was in ninety five. I finished high school. Yeah. Um ninety four I guess, finished high school. And then applied for a course at university didn't get in for some reason not sure why probably that was probably like a stroke of luck and um at the time my stepfather gray also rest in peace awesome amazing person um he worked for new zealand and so they were like oh well i can i'll 
why don't you go to Japan? You've been to Japan a few times, like go and you could go snowboarding over there. And so I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to Japan. <laughs> and I was kind of, I like, I'd been there a couple of times already and like knew some people like just through random, like weird, like as I did like a school trip there and, and I was like, yeah, I'll just go to Japan. And I, got, I think I had like $700. And I was like, yeah, I'll go to Japan and just try it out. And Ollie Brunton, who I'd met like a few years earlier and, you know, snowboarded with and occasionally called me up like a couple of days before I left and was like, oh, fuck, I'm coming to Japan too, man. He's like, let's hook up. He's like, you can speak Japanese, eh? And I was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah. He's like, okay. He's like, meet me at the airport. And so I basically went over there and I remember I got there all excited and then was like, holy fuck, I'm, I'm like on my own in japan now with like a snowboard bag and a backpack i like caught the train into tokyo thinking oh i'll just like find like a cheap hotel or something Mm, because tokyo's pretty overwhelming for the first time eh right yeah Yeah. like crazy and i was like oh my god this is fucking mental dragging a snowboard bag around i think and then i ended up just like staying at like tokyo station hanging out with like all the old drunk dudes drinking <laughs> beers out of and hot coffees out of vending machines <laughs> and then caught the train back to um the airport the next day met ollie and then he was like yo he's like we're going to hokkaido mm. and so he had he was like yeah i've got a hookup in hokkaido he's the 540s distributor for japan and um <clears throat> and he was like i dude he's like i don't can't understand Japanese, don't know anything. He's like, do you reckon you can get us up there? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Let's give it a go. (laughs) (laughs) Unbeknown to him, I think the guy had actually arranged arranged travel arrangements for him to go from Tokyo up to Hokkaido, and he didn't somehow didn't know that. And so we like fucking go on this adventure, and we caught, we kind of didn't really know what we are doing. We caught like Futsudentia, which is and translated as just like the re- regular train network right so we just start catching these regular trains making our way up north and so those trains only go so far then you have to transfer yeah yeah totally you know and basically <laughs> to get a gauge on that you know japan's like a similar size to new zealand i guess so so it's kind of like um we're starting in say yeah probably almost queenstown or wanaka and need to need to be in auckland Mm. just catching regular trains <laughs> <laughs> so it takes us like three days oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not set up for long hauls either are they no. they're not comfortable trains yeah and we've got fucking like snowboard bags backpacks people are like looking at us really funny mm. and it's fucking cold man too like especially the further north you get i think i think we had, we caught like a bullet train at one point and ended up like we didn't even like we didn't even know how to buy the train tickets and there you can get on the train without buying the tickets oh yeah but then they come around and check them mm. and so we we're like trying to avoid the guy or you just put them beep them and then get let out a gate at the end all right so I'm, I'm pretty sure we like jumped a few gates on that trip because oh, we were right. just like fuck like just, just, but basically just because we didn't know how to do it you know yeah. so how'd you avoid the guy 
Oh, I, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, we we just we avoided him somehow, oh, yeah. or we talked our way out of it. Just like <laughs> pleaded, like not guilty. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't understand. But I remember, like, possibly our last night is like the very top of um the main island in Japan, Honshu, I think, and we fucking got there real late, and it was um I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like minus nineteen degrees, right? And yeah. so there's snow everywhere. And we're like, fuck, what are we going to do? And we were just hanging out at the station. And then the, they shut the stations down over there at like midnight for yeah. a few hours. And the the guy was like trying to kick us out. And we were like, oh, oh what? <laughs> and he, he ended up actually letting us stay. And we like slept under the stairs in like the train station in our snowboard bags, like in our sleeping bags. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. And then we, and then we arrived up there and... And so we end up in Niseko, mm. right? Fucking legendary spot. But um, and at that point, it was still pretty. Wouldn't have been many. Yeah, it was, there, it was pretty underground. Like there was a there was a handful of Aussie crew and this guy uh, Ross Carty, who was the Five Forties distributor and who was kind of Ollie's hookup. Ran a pen a pension there, which is like a lodge and like a little bar. And um yeah and so we end up there and we we're just like woo we made it like you know he's got a bar all heaps of crew so but yeah there was it was a handful of handful of aussies around there heaps of japanese um not not a lot of definitely like not really hardly any like foreign snowboarders right i think we i think we were potentially the first kiwi snowboarders to go up there right so that would be about the same time as like Trevor Ponting and Quentin. And yeah, oh, no, nah, we were like a couple, a, at least a year or a couple of years before oh, those right. guys. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Ollie. Ollie, Ollie Brunson. Yeah. So, and, and were you guys working at the pension? Yeah, well, we kind of didn't even know what we were doing. Ollie was, um, Ollie was hooked up because he rode for 540s and Burden at the time. And then, um, and so Ross kind of was hooking them up through the 540s thing and, and the, oh, Ollie's, his thing was that he was going to uh, become a pro rider in Japan. Oh, right. He had to get like a license oh. as a pro to <laughs> okay. do to do the pro comps. And and that was through a uh, Japan snowboarding. Yeah, it was through it was like you had to have a sponsor or something, and and like he got and Ross was trying to hook him up with like a a big store, I think, and he ended up getting hooked up with this with a store that potentially was the same hookup that Quentin got on as well mm. like a year later maybe um so did those dudes sort of turn pro in japan before they were turning pro in new zealand sort of thing. oh yeah, yeah totally right like there was no pro yeah. <laughs> right. so big in japan is actually a legit thing here. yeah yeah Fuck. like you know and like i guess i guess turning pro meant like you could get a license and you could do pro comps and yeah. the prize and the thing with pro comps is there was prize money yeah and you potentially they paid you a little bit of money as well like some kind of a retainer and you mm. could you know flow your heaps of product you know but and and ollie was 540s and he was on like bird in us at the time so oh right wow but and, but it was so funny man like he he turned up with like a balance like 157 and like a twin 56 oh yeah i had like a I had my twin forty seven, <laughs> and you had a Harkin there too. Right? Yeah, and a Harkin, like yeah. the cat one. 
Yeah. That was actually Terrier's board. No way. Yeah. It was Whoa. it was a test board that he'd left down here with Seamus and Guy, and they so they gave that to me. Oh, and that was like so a one fifty two. And then yeah, and then we get there, and like first few days we're just like, holy fuck, it's like waist deep powder. <laughs> 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 and so like instantly, I think I was like, oh well, this twin forty seven is no use to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it was like maybe I hung on to it for a while because we were fucking we had no money and so you, sold that and then and Ollie like upgraded straight away and he, he was like oh fucking got like a twin fifty eight and like a custom sixty four or something because yeah. we were just like man like this shit just doesn't even work I'm pretty sure I, I just rode that balance though the one fifty two yeah oh man yeah well I guess it had more nose on it than the twin forty seven yeah so. yeah <laughs> and so Ollie um, was we're sort of talking about his switch tricks and switch riding so was this when was this sort of when you got to see what that was all about yeah well i guess i guess that was you know i basically like up until then the only snowboarding i did was two weeks a year yeah you know on school holidays like that was that and and like and then i and i'd like stay down and do the nationals yeah right for an extra few days or something and and maybe a couple of days at like two dollar or fuckers but it was, you know it was i wasn't having a lot of days on the mountain and so that was the first time that i was like oh shit like i'm having like a season now and and hanging out with ollie mm. and he'd, he'd probably already had a like a couple under his belt at mount hart yeah right. Um, and and he'd already done been done like a summer camp and a US trip at that point as well. Yeah. And so yeah, and had like he was, yeah, he was a fucking like amazing rider man. He he was pretty innovative. Mm. I feel back then he had a, he had a real good fucking big like stinky skate style. Yeah. And he had a yeah he he had a lot of tricks like and he was yeah he was. He was doing like cab underflips and shit, like off the cat tracks into pow, and like you know McTwists and Elliot McTwists in the pipe. This is like '95, yeah, sort of yeah. thing. So that wasn't even probably happening on the international pro thing that much. Those sort of tracks, like yeah, well it was, but only the top dogs, you know. Yeah. Like he was, he was definitely right up there. Yeah, like for sure. And he and he was and he was quite he. He was quite tech, and we'd always like talk about funny shit, you know. Like, and he had this thing like switch, switch. Oh, right. And it was actually, it was like, it was like riding. You'd ride, try and do tricks like regular, but make them look switch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so was that making your regular tricks look sketchier, or just yeah, going? or just like ooh, a bit more kind of floaty and stinky, oh, yeah. you know, or something? Yeah. yeah, it was. It was just funny, and it was just like yeah, there's a whole thing about like. So, oh, man, well, yeah, yeah, people would be like, oh, is that switch or is that regular? Oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, man, like, growing up as a Grom in Dunedin, like, he was instantly, like, my favourite style, like, in the pages of New Zealand Snowwater. And I think it was more once you started unit and you just, any picture with him in that quarry base, you're just like, fuck, yes. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah, he was, he was definitely a, like, master of style. Mm. sure that winter was just fucking so much fun man and like yeah pretty raw like we just 
didn't have much money at all but this guy Ross Carty he like he actually he hooked us up so good but we couldn't really we couldn't stay at the at the pension oh, right. the whole time because he had guests oh, coming right. in and out and so we ended up here the, and there was like a crew of Japanese boys who helped him out there and were snowboarders and so he was like I'll go hang with those guys and we ended up in this like one room like flat in Kuchan which is a little town like maybe 15-20 minutes from Niseko mm. and so anyway um, yeah and so sometimes we'd like stay at the pension but then most of the time we'd have to like drive back and fucking all camp out there was like 8 of us I think in like a you know a pretty small room just mm. futon you, all the futons folded up in the cupboard and you just drag them out and eat fucking instant ramen yeah, so it's sort of smoking. A... All the boys are like smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie was off it. I remember he was like, "Fuck this." But yeah, man, we we had, and he he ended up he ended up he did like he got his like pro thing going on, and so he ended, he ended up traveling around and doing some comps. Mm. And I just kind of I just kind of hung out, and we used to Ross used to do like snowboard lessons. So we'd like do some snowboard lessons. Um, Lots of like selling of stuff (laughs) (laughs) to like have enough money for the week. Um, And his his wife, a Japanese lady, Kuni Chan, she used to like, oh man, it was so sick. We like uh, paid like 2,000 yen a week, you know, which is basically like $20. And she'd just like cook these like amazing like Japanese meals and we'd all like eat those every night and. Yeah. I see, so you went um, over there on a work hustle or anything? It was just, let's go bottom of uh, rock bottom and ride as much as we can sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of it how everyone's just... first season should be, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. It was, I was just full on a loose end. And um, and I and I remember I ended up like doing some comps and shit too. And Ollie was real gutted because he'd like got his pro thing. So then... But he wasn't allowed to do amateur comps anymore after that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they had this, like, Kuchan, like, snow festival. And I ended up, like, winning this pipe comp. And I won, like, a ticket to Guam. <laughs> 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 I was like, where the fuck is Guam? Guam's <laughs> like an Air Force base, and that's about the Yeah, size and I'm like, um, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be taking a holiday to Guam anytime <laughs> soon. But, um... And then they're like, oh, do you just want to trade it for money? I was like, yep. <laughs> Ollie was like real gutted because it was like fuck, it was like a grand or something. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I can live for another six weeks. <laughs> let's, let's go to Lawson's and get some chicken. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that Ollie was actually writing for Burton International. I just assumed it was through Higher Ground or something. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, back then, back then, the, the international guys would get on board because oh, like higher ground they didn't you know they were they were just you know they're a distributor basically and and so if they sponsored someone then that kind of pass it through to the u.s guys and that that help out you know and like even oh, right. even denny and i were we're on that we're on like burden global team as well right like, which oh. was fucking pretty lucky back in the day yeah 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 oh sweet after that uh, season in Japan with Ollie, where, um, where did you end up after that Japan season? Um, so Japan season, 
came home. I think ended, I must have ended up doing about four months there-ish, or maybe only three. Like the Japan Sea, it actually finishes pretty early up there. Like their spring kind of like comes and goes real and quick. Ninety-day visa. Thing. Yeah, and we just we just stayed in Niseko. Like we didn't do any. I didn't like travel anywhere else. So I came back. Um, went home for a while, and then. Yeah, but then I was like so hooked on it that I was like, right, I'm I'm going to Wanaka. Um, yeah, so fucking yeah, basically probably probably hung out at home for a little bit, um, and then <clears throat> packed up my Mazda three two three, and did yeah did the roadie that was like the first of many. So that was fucking yeah that that's like quite a like fond memory i have of those days like doing doing the road trip from from auckland down down, down to, to wanaka so. to the south island I, I i ended up i i had a couple of japanese tag-ons or at least one my friend zumi who i'm still like quite good friends with he came over because we'd like you know talked it all up and they were like super, super into snowboarding, and that was when Japan was, you know, fucking. They were mental about snowboarding. It was when mm. there was like fifty of them living in town here. Yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah, you used to have the half pipe army of those dudes. Yeah, there. yeah. And so, like, what was Wanaka like in nineteen ninety five? Like, can you give our listeners a picture of? Was actually was this your first time to Wanaka? Had you just been Queenstowning before that? Or? Oh no, no, I'd been, I'd done some some school holiday time and oh, yeah. and you know in Wanaka we used to we used to ride it, um, ski and you know snowboard at Kadrona and Treblecombe. Mm. Um, mm. and that was yeah, and that I really I loved Cardis and I loved Treblecombe, so that was why I wanted to come to Wanaka basically. Um, oh man, yeah, it was it was pretty different. Yeah. Back then, it was fucking like the main drag. Um, I still don't even know the names of the streets in Wanaka, really. <laughs> there was like two pubs, Barrows. Barrows, yeah. And um, oh, what was the other one where like the Amigos is now? Like um, oh. Clifford's, maybe? It was called yes. Clifford's? Yes, part of the Wanaka Hotel thing, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And... Um, and fucking, but then, but that was the year, that was the year of like, <clears throat> I like to call it the, the snowboard revolution because suddenly like that season <clears throat> I rolled down, I was pretty grummet still, you know, I was like 19, <clears throat> but that year, like so many, um, North Island crew, <clears throat> crew from everywhere came to town, fucking surfers, skateboarders. It was just a full invasion of Wanaka, of mm-hmm. all these like ruckus crew who came down to snowboard. Yeah. For the winter, there was like a massive posse out at Glendu Bay. Oh, so yeah. At the campground there, there was yeah, there was like people and you know ten people and houses everywhere. <laughs> I think like West Joel Westcott and those crew were here that year. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. Um, it was like Jimmy Hunt and. Sean McComb, yeah, all those, all yeah, all those names boys, yeah, fixtures in New Zealand snowboarder later on. Andy Searing and his mate. um, I ended up luckily. I I was lucky. I was hooked up because um, Seamus and Guy through Burden they were new Spy, and I I knew Spy at that stage because oh, um, so that would have been sponsoring Spy, right? 
Yeah, potentially, yeah. 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 And I'd known Spy through riding with him at Cadrona. We used to call him Three Turn Spy. Three Turn Spy. Because he'd be, be like, hey, what's up? And he'd potentially on hard boots half the time. And he'd be like, yo, come for a run. And he'd just be like, whoosh, <laughs> out of there. <laughs> like, you couldn't keep up with Spy. He was, like, too good. <laughs> but um, so I ended up in this house at the top of Rada Street. And this is pre, oh, what is it called up there now? Pegasus Bay or whatever? Uh, no. Oh, so, yeah, I know the development you're talking about. So, the like, it was sort of the buck ended where you were sort of thing. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was the end of the road. Right. Like, Rada's, top of Rada Street was the end of the road. And so I, I ended up in a house with um, Spy and Ewan. All right. They had the rooms. There was a mezzanine upstairs. And so I, I ended up on that with one Japanese maid. I think another guy turned up that year. And then these um, Canadian crew turned up who were f- friends of spies. This guy, Bruce Irving, who was a super cool guy. Um, and he used to run like a Whistler Blackcomb snowboard school back then. I think they were associated through that. Spy had maybe done a season in Whistler. And this other guy, Rob Picard, who I became really good friends with and is quite a legend up in Whistler too, runs, still runs like the Whistler Valley Snowball Club. Nice. But so anyway, yeah, we did that 95 season. And so were you just riding the whole time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just riding. I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I wasn't working. I'm not sure how I afforded that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think I was like, I paid like super cheap rent or even like, probably didn't and like shame because Seamus and Guy kind of covered a little bit of that rent right. because it was like the burden house so they could come to it oh yeah <laughs> and so I was just kind of like riding on that <laughs> boat <Sweet. laughs> thank you Seamus and Guy yeah thanks guys <laughs> um made the Japanese guys probably pay something <laughs> <laughs> and then a few like some of my school buddies were here that year Ollie Burke was here like Ollie had moved down from Auckland and was like potentially like still like a, in seventh form at uh, Mount Aspiring. Oh yeah, that year. So there there was a crew man like yeah. Jacques from the White House. He was a friend of Ollie's then, and so met him. My friend Rich. Yeah, there was there was a solid posse. Mm-hmm. Um, Ollie B had a house at the bottom of Rada with uh, Dino and Haley. Oh man, yeah. yeah. And this was sort of the time where Dino was uh, in the magazines a lot with focus and stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Dino, Dino was the man, and I, I'd, I'd, I already knew Dino. Um, I'd met Dino through Seamus as well, um, and he was like fucking the OG in Oakuni. Yeah, which I, I must have met him like a few years earlier at that point, and like massive dreads, and yeah, and he was like definitely someone I looked up to a lot as well. Mm as a you know just a fucking cool guy and, and a really good snowboarder that was the year he potentially had like a the primo camper van it was primo like sponsored by van. primo no way like milk yeah flavored milk flavored milk he was sponsored and, by- he, and he had like for a while he had like a camper van and shit loads of primo he was like, sponsored by primo yeah fuck oh man that would oh man i'd love to have been sponsored by primo oh, dude. all the flavored milk you can handle eh? oh uh, yeah 
<laughs> so, that was a pretty classic season. And then, and I remember going down to see Ollie, and we'd obviously done this season in Japan and shit together. So, and you know, and I really looked up to him because I was I was grommet, but I'd go and hang out with those guys, and I remember seeing these snowboards in his room, and I was like, "Whoa, like, what are those, dude?" Like, and he's like, Phew. he's like, "Okay, I'll tell you." And that was that was when he was just like starting unit. Oh right, yeah, so yeah. it was real hush hush. Yeah, yeah, sort of thing. He, yeah, because he was because he, he knew that I was like you know connected with obviously Seamus and Guy and mm. kind of Bird, and I wasn't really I wasn't sponsored or anything by them then. I was just they were just like me, uh, stuff to use, you know, like, right. And and um and he was like, Ooh. but yeah, that was that was the beginning of Unit, I guess, like mm. that season. And, and I didn't really know Q at that stage. I, I think we'd maybe like met a couple of times, but I didn't really know Quentin that well. Because so, Quentin wasn't in Wanaka. He was no, nah, he was he was in Methven, yeah. Right. Oh, man. Well, that, that's pretty cool, though. You get a wee insight into what became an iconic New Zealand brand before anyone sort of knew it. Yeah, totally. And that was, you know, he was pretty he was pretty innovative, Ollie, actually, mm. um, with that. And, you know, he was running for Vulcan. He actually hooked me up on Vulcan. Oh, really? Yeah. No way. Which was pretty awesome. Man, because you had a good stint with Vulcan for a while, eh? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Quite for, a few years. For years, yeah. Man. Yeah, and that was, that was like kind of pretty early stages of Vulcan as well. Like they'd been around in surf Yeah. for a while. but um. Yeah, they were kind of like a t-shirt brand for yeah, yeah. The, the start of it sort yeah. of thing. Uh, so when did you get on Burton then? I, I just assumed that you were... Because I've seen pictures in the magazines of Burton boys like, oh, he's got to be writing for Burton, right? So the yeah, well, so. I was, I was kind, of, you know, I was kind of <clears throat> writing just th- through um, Seamus and Guy, and, mm. and it was kind of like, you know, give you can have a board and then you give it back at the end of the season, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like have some out, borrow some outerwear, yeah, and right. give it back, like you know, like that's what it was like for like the first few years, yeah, and and then so was there a time where it's like, well, holy shit. I'm actually on the team now. Like, well, I guess after that season, I ended up fucking. I'd actually I blew out my shoulder in Japan, and just kind of ignored it. And then I came back down here, and I started like dislocating my shoulder all the time again. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, this sucks. Yeah. Um. And so a few there's a few funny turns of events. I I, I have to tell this story. So one day <clears throat> we're um driving to TC powder day good day Ollie myself Ollie Burke's in the front seat next to me and uh, my Canadian mates Rob Picard and Gabby fucking ripping out there come over um, <clears throat> through Glendo over the hump just before the West Wanaka turn off into Cattle Flat yeah and there's two vans in front of me and it's all gravel then and they're, they're indicating to pull over. So I was like, oh, sweet. Like, they're indicating for us to let cars pass. Yeah. And so I, like, hit the gas. Ollie's like, gas it. <laughs> <laughs> hit the gas. Boom. Down the little hump there. And then the fucking first van suddenly turns into the West Wanaka turn off. Oh, yeah. Makes the right turn. Yeah. Yeah. And I just fucking smoked it. Like, head oh. up, like T-boned it. Like right in the middle of the shit. van as we're kind of accelerating to take over 
and I see dudes in the back of the van go flying and just like, oh my god, fuck. And hell. And it's funny, it ended up being like Nick Burke <laughs> and like his mates. Holy shit. Um, and they'd like, someone had forgotten something and they were like doing a fucking Yui to like go and get it. But anyway, that and that was that was the end of the three two three. So I like rode off my car. It's kind of lucky it was a gravel road and you wouldn't have been going a hundred. Yeah, yeah, I probably wasn't go, quite going a hundred, but it was right. pretty quick. I'm pretty sure both cars got written off. Fucking hell! And you guys, and then and then Ollie and Robin, Gabby just like jumped out and were like, "Are you all good?" And I'm like, "Yeah." I was kind of like, I think I almost like passed out. I was like pretty shaken. And then they were like, yeah, we're just going to hitchhike up the mountain. <laughs> and I was like, okay, see ya. <laughs> just leave, leave the Rex there. <laughs> yeah. I know, I had to like get my car fucking towed back to town. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, and then I was, yeah, and then I, I had this shoulder issue and I ended up kind of going home early that year because I was just like, oh, man, this sucks. My, I, <clears throat> I actually did a, um, I was doing like a, a photo shoot for like that checkout that you were talking about. Oh, is like, that the one where you're running in the mag, like out of the bush with the? Oh no, nah, not that one. It was like pre that one. It was like riding. I was riding like the Jim Rippy sunboard. Oh, yeah, yeah. With, like rusta hat, like yeah. o- Oakley eye jackets. Um, <clears throat> and I and shooting with Stan Hill and like Seamus was there and I'm like my shoulder popped out on like several occasions and he was like, "What the fuck, man? Like, what's going on? Like." He's like, oh, you got to, nah. He's like, you got to sort that out. Mm. And my uh, Mike Dalton, who's another good friend, like fucking Rob Johnson's brother. He he used to hang out with us heaps, and he was like feeding me like herbal tea and ginger and like real cool dude. Worked at the White House at the time, I think. And um, yeah. But anyway, I, I ended up going home, calling calling that season kind of short. Not you know, not not that short. It was like mid-September or something but mm. and I had <clears throat> ended up getting surgery on my shoulder to like bring it back and actually it was a it was it was a good surgery that one I've got a massive scar from it but it fucking it worked yeah <clears throat> and so but then I I wasn't a, I didn't travel that that northern hemi winter mm. because um I was still trying to like rehab that. I ended up doing some film work, worked on like Hercules and Xena. <laughs> Red. <laughs> Got this job. Another Seamus hook up. He hooked me up with this job. It was fucking, it was hard out. It was like a 60 hour week and we were like scrub cutting gorse and like burning like massive like piles of gorse oh, to like fuck. clear this land with like a couple of like ex convicts <laughs> <laughs> all tatted up. All right. <laughs> No, it's just like a grommet. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, this is sweet. <clears throat> but then I ended up um, through meeting those Canadian crew. They they ran or Bruce Irving ran Camper Champions. In, oh yeah. In the Blackcomb Glacier, yeah, like a summer camp. And they were like, "Yo, fucking, you should come, come to summer camp, come to Whistler." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so I ended up working all through summer. And heading over there, it must have been in like, it was quite late. It was like maybe like May, June or June, July or something. Fire up here. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was kind of like May, June, I think. And so I, I go to Whistler and I'm a digger. So it's hand digging, hand digging a pipe in the Blackcomb Glacier. 
with all these like Canadian crew like who I became like real good friends with so, them. They were who, like, were, who were some of, would we know some of the names you were um, with? Fuck, there like, was like legend, like guy, this guy Dennis Bannock, who's like a not super well known, but very well known and a Canadian writer. Um, Alan Clark, who was like ripping like Sims Pro. Uh, Derek Height, I remember was ripping the, it up. Um, that, yeah, like potentially like were the whiskey guys running around there at that point? Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And like, run-ins with those dudes? Or nah, or? not at all. Like I didn't really know those dudes, and yeah. Like, it was a real cool scene, though. Like, mm. it was Trev. That's the first time I met Trevor Andrew. Mm. So he, right. he came out and stayed. I was staying with my friend Rob, and Rob is from Nova Scotia. And he was a friend of Trevor's and Trevor's parents. Trevor's only, like, 15 or 16. And so right. he came out and stayed with us. And I was staying at Rob's place, and he was like, yeah, my friend Trevor's coming. He's like, he's really good. He's, like, a really good rider. He's just, like young and trev came and stayed and i met trevor and and i've known him for a long time like over the years as well and like yeah that was that was pretty cool actually Mm. and he was just like super grom like just coming up kind of sean white status you know yeah right and so how long were you um did you stay out there for the whole new zealand winter at Camper Champions sort of thing there. Nah, so I did that, I did that, and then I like went to Europe, travelled around, just on a, yeah, I just, I wasn't snowboarding there, I just travelled around, I have an aunt and uncle who live in Switzerland, so I went into this little like Euro tour, and then came home, um, and then came back, back to Wanaka for another winter, but I think it was kind of a, I think I kind of maybe came down here at like the beginning of August or the end of July, I think. I feel like I feel like I drove down and went. We ended up going straight to Ohau for like the bird and cake bake off. Oh, Red, um, the cake bake off. Um, you want to give us a bit of a um, insight into what that whole Ohau cake bake off thing was all about? Right. So the cake bake off, <clears throat> epic epic event. Um, it's kind of Seamus and Guy were pretty instrumental in that. Ohau were Ohau actually was like. Is a pretty key spot in the history of New Zealand snowboarding. They were like super accommodating to that whole vibe, you know. Um, so the Cake Bake Off was just like this real fun event. They had a real dodgy kind of crazy border cross course. They had like a powder eights day. All right. Off the top. Which would have looked more like spaghetti lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, and a cake baking competition. <laughs> that's exactly what it sounds like <laughs> and Mich- <clears throat> Michelle um, <clears throat> used to always win it I, I forget what her name was but um, she's now partnered with uh, Chris Vile who was a, a shredder back then as well and they started Voodoo Cafe and, yeah yeah All and right. that whole Voodoo vibe but Michelle she used to always win it because she was you know amazing but yeah, there was some. It was pretty funny. Like, and they'd get like the local farmer and like the local like police constable to come and um, judge it. I'm pretty sure there was like a hash cake in there one year. <laughs> <laughs> Probably most years. Oh shit! Because I got the impression it was one of the you know led to some pretty raucous nights at Ohio. And oh yeah, totally. Sort of like yeah, it was like you know legendary. But yeah. you know, as you can imagine, a fucking 
30 or 40 snowboard crew turning up at Ohau and baking cakes yeah yeah <laughs> taking over the bar and, and just ripping around you know and like mm. Tony Walston was hanging out there at that time he was I think he was living up there and working at Ohau Paul Trapsky mm. um, this guy Billy Bacon this crazy American dude who was like a like hard uh, test rider for Burton at the time like JG and that even mm. used to come down sometimes so Burton New Zealand and Ohio had a bit of a I guess a working relationship would that be the, that's probably not the right term but but like because Ohio have like the Burton kicker and shit right was that the yeah end? yeah totally it was, yeah. There, it was just it was like a, that, a relationship you well, know because they were like yeah they were like wow well, yeah we've got a lodge and a mm. mountain you've got a snowboard company and heaps of snowboarders and you know and mm. like let's make this work together because like, it, it was it was a fucking it was a community vibe man mm. it was about bringing people to places you know yeah well, it's rad when you go up there now and you still see Burton posters from the 90s in the, in the lodge, like, yes. Oh, yeah, totally. Awesome. And they were, like, so, right. so cool. And they're still the same people who run the lodge, um, mm. Mike and, and... Louisa. Yeah, Mike yeah. and Louise. Yeah, yeah, totally. Ah, oh, sweet. And Jock, like, their son, who's, like, fucking real cool. Um, yeah, yeah, there, there was, there was, there was a, a, always, like, a real strong connection with Ohio and snowboarding, for sure. Mm. Ah, oh, sweet. And so did this, would we be looking about 98 sort of thing about now? Yeah. Which was, if I remember rightly, one of the worst snow seasons that New Zealand had. Yeah, I think I think, I think think this year, I think I'm actually 95. That must be like 96, actually, oh, I'm right. talking about. Because 96 was awesome. That Ohau. Yeah, 95 was massive too. I always make that call. It was like change from Glendu Bay. Mm. Fucking! I remember, like, yeah, it, it literally was change from Glendu Bay. Oh, shit. That's a long. That's and a then long they road. like, and then they didn't even open the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so of course everybody drove out there. Fuck, and then they're like, a, oh no, actually we're not opening. It's like, oh, that's a long drive and fucking chains. Yeah, like Glendu Bay. Stupidly, I'm I'm pretty sure. Like I I like once again. This is pre the three two three fucking dying. And I drove out with like Dino and Haley, and, and I was like, ah, oh, no, nah. I was like, no, nah, we won't put them on. And they're like, oh. And then like, you start going, and then like, oh, fuck, we probably should have. And had to like barge the car like into a snowbank <laughs> and put the chains on. Everyone's like, you idiots, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I think my, my second year work, no, 2002 when I was working at Corona, um, we had to put chains on by the medical centre there and drive down the whole valley floor and up it's fucking oh, um crazy yeah, hectic, yeah hectic falls when about so we, we were sort of talking about when you got on to becoming an actual burton rider sort of thing like yeah was, yeah yeah i guess that that was about the time it happened because after i went to that summer camp mm. and then i came back <clears throat> and then yeah and then i was kind of like oh well yeah okay you you're you you're kind of you're a burden team rider now like which was, I was like fucking yeah sweet because <laughs> who was who was on the team at that time um was this about the sort of time of like uh tim jackways denny bevan um not tim but definitely denny yeah denny was denny was one of the ogs for sure right like he was <clears throat> he was on the team like before me and <clears throat> riding and he was 
Yeah, he was like in the scene from day one as well. Yeah. Like, you know, he was like the Queenstown kid, yeah. big old dreads and, and fucking super good rider. Mm. He got a, he got on the scene kind of real early. Um, and I was friend, Denny and I were buddies. He was still Queenstown. I was doing the Wanaka thing. But um, I guess that's how Denny and I started um, hanging together a lot which mm. we did for a long time um after i did that whistler trip mm. i was like fuck so i want to go back to whistler for winter because yeah. i was like man this place is epic and denny was going to whistler at that point too he'd maybe already done a season there maybe even a couple and um and he had this gig going on where he was coaching for like a japanese japanese kind of um academy i guess thing and he was like oh well maybe if you come i might be able to hook you up some work so So i was like yeah yeah that sounds good and was denny also the um reason behind the move to queenstown sort of thing yeah totally like yeah denny and and that and that yeah that job that he fucking hooked me up with you know Mm. because so we started i went to whistler kind of off my own back and <clears throat> hooked up with him and he's like yeah like you can we, we need someone like and so we'd coach um japanese kids to snowboard they were generally they were quite they could already snowboard quite well yeah so we weren't teaching beginners or anything and we worked with the mountain with instructors as well but um and so this program ran like for like five months in whistler and three months in queenstown right and right. so that was the beginning of like I think I did maybe six seasons in Whistler. Because mm. you and Denny were quite a tight unit about that time, right? We're sort of talking late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, totally. Because like you're you're you both your interview on New Zealand Snowball was the both of you guys being yeah. interviewed. And yeah, stuff. yeah. And so well, through this whole thing, so we rode we we just snowboarded like every single day mm. together, and and did we're on the same travel program. Because yeah. we were working, like we worked five days a week. You'd do like four half days and one full day mm. coaching, and then we'd just fucking go and rip it. Like, and <clears throat> we had, used to have the mornings off. They changed it a few years later, and we we're like, "Fuck, that sucks." Because mm. when the mornings were off, you'd just go and shred, you know, yeah. ride pal, meet them at lunchtime, take them riding, ride every weekend, and then just repeat basically. And man. so just, yeah, hun, you know, man, we we're doing like hundreds of days on the hill a man. year at that point. So seeing as we're talking about you and Denny and Whistler, um, Drew Brace told me I need to ask you about backcountry jumps in Whistler. Not entirely sure what that means. I guess you guys are sort of renowned for building pretty decent sized jumps. So I remember I, like your New Zealand snowboarder cover yeah, just in that, just couldn't figure it out. Where the fuck's he going? Where the fuck? Oh yeah, yeah. What, you know, yeah. No, that that was actually one fucking pretty legendary one, and that was like that was Denny because he had <clears throat> he he had this little bit of knowledge of this zone where you could go from having already had a couple of seasons there under his belt, and then um, <clears throat> and so what we'd do is on our days off. We'd go and um, you basically. I probably shouldn't say it's like the surf spot, but you'd go up one side of Blackcomb and then hike up 
and then drop down the backside and there was all this shit down there that you could ride and then there was a bit of hiking and traversing involved and you'd end up right on the other side of the mountain at the end of the day all right although i think whistler i don't think he'd be giving away any spots so yeah it's all no played out no now. not now but this was yeah this would this was a pretty epic zone that we used to hit up a lot yeah and so anyway denny denny's like fuck i've got this i've got this jump spot and i think we checked it out before and we were waiting for the snow to get good and we'd scoped it and we were like yeah okay it's on um and hutchie was there grant hutchinson oh yeah who was and he'd just shredder from methvin skateboarder super good skater um and he'd just gotten bought a bunch of camera gear and gotten into taking photos so did he take that cover shot yep Wow. Yeah. So that was Hutchie. Um, and the good thing about Denny is fucking he was like he was super motivated, like early mm. in the piece about getting photos and yeah. and like he understood that side of it, you know, is because he'd been a sponsored writer for a bit longer. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And was really and he was he was good at like dealing with sponsorship and shit like that. You know, there was no middleman back then. It was like you were just dealing with you know some uh, team manager or something you know mm. and denny was real good at that stuff um and the value of mm. taking photos and and it was actually real fun because mm. you'd you know you'd go and do a mission build a jump hit it like get shots like have a you know have safety meeting yeah. have lunch yeah. like you know like hang out in the backcountry like basically which, i mean that's which was rad ever, yeah right? yeah and like we weren't you know we there was no way that we could you know we weren't couldn't afford to be snowmobiling and stuff like that we were mm. like stuck at the resort basically but yeah. so we just did you know whatever we could to make that shit happen um means a lot a lot of boot packing instead of snowmobiling oh yeah totally yeah no split boards yeah it was all boot packing yeah like and it was, it was big missions like mm. for sure but we had our you know we had um transceivers and radios and shit yeah. we were pretty safe about it mm. and Oh, a little guys... bit of knowledge about backcountry not so much denny a bit more than i but um mm. yeah yeah we're definitely doing it in the right at the right time yeah because you guys shared the same sponsors too right not just burton it was like burton Vulcan, oakley yeah yeah Nixon. yeah pretty yeah and how did how did was that just coincidence that that sort of happened like yeah almost like it almost was because denny was Seamus and Guy, they knew him from when he was real young and, and so they always had him on the burden programme and then I came in and, and I met Denny but and then they put me on. Um Oakley kinda too. Like actually the person who hooked me up on Oakley was Danny Key Danny Meyer. Right. Like way back. The OG. Yeah, yeah. He was actually my first sponsor. No way. Himself. <laughs> he yeah. he like after the nationals in like ninety three that year when I was like grommy and I got like fifth, he was like, Holy fuck. He was like, I'm gonna give you some snowboards and he gave me like three of his own boards, rad ears. No way. Yeah. Fuck such a G C Yeah, yeah. So he gave me three rad air snowboards and he was like, Oh, I'm gonna talk to Oakley for you And then <clears throat> and I remember I met um this girl Renee who was like the NZ rap or something at the time and she was like oh yeah danny 
Danny told me about you, she was like, do you want to come and get some, like, you know, a pair of glasses and a pair of goggles? Like, you know, and that was, yeah. that was what sponsorship it was, but it was yeah. like, it's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, wow. I mean, that's so cool that Danny Meyer seen that. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. like, he was a huge deal back then, right? Yeah. And, and then, and I'm taking a bit of a backtrack here, and then that kind of turned into this, um, I started working for some friends of mine who I knew from the shore, they ran, they had a shop called The Snowboard Shop Mm -hmm. that was, it was actually a Canadian thing connected Mm. to uh, Ken Ackenback who also ran Camp of Champions. Um, And so they started The Snowboard Shop and they were the nitro distributors at the time and a couple of other brands potentially. Um, And so they had a shop in Stanley Street in Auckland at the bottom of Parnell and I used to work there after school and so I kind of rode for them as well. Sweet. It was like Rad Air, the snowboard shop. And so this is pre um, actually like getting hooked up on Burden and stuff mm. too. But yeah. Oh, man. But anyway, where are we? Yeah. And then, um, and it actually it was coincidental. And Denny also was got was hooked up on Vulcan, but like through his own shit as well. And then right. Ollie B hooked me up on that shit. And so, yeah. And so we, we like had kind of we were working together traveling together rode for the same people mm. so and and he was like fucking Cause super just, motivated to like take photos film shit we we had like little you know mm. digi cams and mm. like we, we we got real excited about that side of it and, and um because i was just like reading the magazines and stuff and seeing like you guys were all on the same i often wondered like how that all but it was just coincidence. Yeah, it, it was. It yeah. kind of was. And um, so you guys were... But it worked out really well because we were like the, the fucking the double Kiwi team. Yeah. Wesley, you know, like... And um, so you guys became a bit of a fixture around Whistler for a bit. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, we, we did a lot of seasons. We did... Mm. I, I'm pretty sure I, I did like six winters up in Whistler. So were you guys kind of like the halfway house for all the Kiwi Shred dudes that would come through? Yep, totally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, for sure. Like, so like, who were some of the Kiwi Shred? And we didn't always live together though, actually. Oh, yeah. I used to... I went out with a Canadian girl and so I was kind of kept it like a bit chill and then... Mm. But then Danny lived with a bunch of crew through because he was, it was like hooked up through work mm. like it was you know that it was like <clears throat> work was like almost our ultimate sponsor you know because yeah. that like we're getting we're getting a bit of product yeah. you know a couple of boards some outerwear yeah and shit we're getting goggles and sunnies and some clothes from Volcom um maybe like a little a little bit at this stage we're starting to get a little bit of a travel budget, you know, mm. maybe a couple of grand or something. Yeah. But, you but know, essentially that paid in product. Doesn't go far. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> and so, but we're working full time and, you know, and they're the workers looking after our season passes, our airfares, and our accommodation. Awesome. So, yeah. And still paying you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So all the, all the, major things taken care of yeah yeah totally and so it was a real good program to be on and so who were some of the kiwi shreds that were coming through is this like oh dude like yeah like nah actually um kind of mentioned this guy um lee Rowlands. yep roller boy a fucking epic um canterbury methman christchurch shredder yep He, he worked with us for a couple of years 
So, so he was there and he was a full ripper. Um, and I lived in Queenstown with him for a couple of years too when we were doing, working there on the same gig. Um, yeah, Q, Q so, Diddy used to start coming through and like it, people would usually turn up in like springtime or something. You yeah, know? so it was a sort of the migration north to yeah, yeah, yeah. for spring. How yeah. did you meet Quentin Robbins initially? Q, I remember I must have started meeting him obviously down um i think he was he was definitely around that 95 winter mm. actually i think he was he was in monica that yeah he was definitely in monica like that year or and for the next few years yeah like for sure so, him and ollie had a house out in Luggett, actually that must have been 96 oh yeah with tomo who was like a japanese friend from niseko and um yeah, they, and that's when it, they were like, it was like the unit house, you know? Yeah, right. And, so. Yeah, and that's when, and Q was just like, yeah, it was like, whoa. I mean, stand out, like fucking stand out writer and at that point. Like, for a long time, Not too, scared right? to go big. Um, yeah. Rad style, and yeah, just could fucking land everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> whip it yeah. around and just be like, whoosh. Just Quentin the cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. It's like, <laughs> Um, so these um, whistle seasons obviously put a time on your board. Um, did this lead to? Because I remember in the early two thousands in New Zealand snowboarder, uh, you and Denny were always the some of the names that were consistently placing in competitions in New Zealand, especially the nationals. Um, did the did this whistler time sort of and camper champions and that sort of thing? That sort of give you the idea of like fuck we can maybe do the competitive side a bit more sort of thing yeah yeah i guess so for sure like you know and like we that like back then it was like you just did all the comps anyway mm. like in new zealand is like ugh, like you just do them like because yeah. everyone would hang out and there'd be a party and it was where everyone hung but um but yeah definitely like oh man just having like so many days snowboarding and obviously you know they had a a pretty good pipe and park in Blackcomb at that stage. Um, and so, yeah, and, like, the Nationals was still kind of the the go-to comp, mm. you know. There was, a, there was a few pipe comps, though. There, like, there'd be, there was, like, wide load pipe jam yeah. at Mount Hart. There was, like, there was always a pretty good, like, coronet comp. Yeah. They had quite a good pipe for a while under the triple chair there. And then, um, and the Nationals. Mm-hmm was like the season ender you know yeah it was like the biggie um so what's the i and i've talked about that in a few like was there any um rhyme or reason behind the mctwist being the first hit because I, I just remember like runs back then like everyone seemed to start off with like a method air and then australia before they start getting into like tacker tracks sort of thing and i remember like sort of like people I was working with at Cadrona and stuff, they were like, "No way, McTwist first hit, sort of, like coming out with a tech trick first hit." Was that just fuck it? This is what I'm feeling, sort of thing, or was this actual a comp technique? Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Well, uh, fuck. It was. <clears throat> it probably. It definitely was a comp technique. Like, yeah. It was fucking. It was like. It was kind of like. I. I know. I. <clears throat> I don't nowadays. I don't know how I fucking did that shit, but um, because <laughs> I'm not that. I'm actually not that competitive. <clears throat> but I used to be able to like just turn it on, yeah, 
and it was like yeah it was putting it on you know fuck uh, like it was if you put it on the line like that then mm. it's it's gonna score high you know and yeah. basically i was like kind of emulating you know the the person who you know i looked up to the most in snowboarding was terrier yeah you know harkinson yeah. and he was all about the fucking first hit mctwist at the us open yeah. you know yeah and he won it multiple times on that shit you know right so i was like wow i was like you know that's what would terrier do sort of thing yeah yeah i'm yeah. like well yeah like i you know not that i was kind of on that level really but um yeah it was and was, but it was it was a maker or a breaker because sometimes you'd fucking hang up and just eat shit and that was over your whole run's over yeah yeah totally yeah. <laughs> but when you pulled it in you were like Whoa. <laughs> hold it together <clears throat> but yeah yeah nationals like fuck i had a bit of a run there i think i because i think ollie ollie won it three times in a row ollie ollie brunton yeah, yeah. and then <clears throat> maybe 97 i won it and i think it was a bit i think actually like kentaro won it like right. Watanabe because if you weren't a Kiwi like you couldn't win the national title right. <laughs> <laughs> and I maybe got second but I was like <clears throat> and then I won it like 98 90, or 97 98 then I think Denny won it <clears throat> this is the pipe mm. in 99 and then I won it again in like 2000 and 2001 Fucks, that's a, that's a good rain there. And were you competing in all the other events too, or were you just specifically pipe only sort of thing? Oh uh, no, we'd I we'd I did like we'd do like big ears and mm. and fucking like slopey. Cross. There wasn't much slopey. Oh, uh, I kind of I wasn't that into border cross. Mm. I was I kind of opted out of that because I I just didn't like the vibe of like fucking racing sort of jock rampage sort of thing yeah 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 it was mm. you know i enjoyed pipe mm. and were you for sure and like you know denny and aaron jameson were just like fucking it was always those guys that like the big ears yeah like head to head well aj was um <clears throat> he was a force to be reckoned with oh totally and aj him. was actually always up there yeah. in the pipe as well because yeah. he was fucking sick like Mm. yeah um, he, he was like coming up hard like around those times and 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 he he was the same he'd like put it on the line go massive yeah and then but then there was q trev or trevor ponting yeah. he always did really well yeah in those years you know and q but q kind of he he'd like take it or leave it at comp sometimes i feel it's a bit too laid back sort of thing yeah oh. yeah 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 it mm. wasn't a big thing for him you know like Mm. and if he'd taken it seriously it would have been fucking some serious competition yeah yeah but then he'd like been like oh we just found like a fun hit out there and they'd just be like free riding there Mm. (laughs) like you know in the ollie brunton's interview it was one of my favorite quotes they uh steen asked him uh uh, how do you train for for your half pipe because ollie was known as half pipe dude he's like i free ride which is like that's awesome were you sort of of that mentality too or were you actually training in the pipe like I've got to fucking get this I've got to you know that sort of thing or nah we, we were free riding yeah yeah man, slope man. riding man like that's all that's all we did like yeah. we'd just ride like fucking free ride every you know every day pretty yeah. much and then just take it to the pipe once yeah tree runs and then pipe when you know when the pipe was good 
at Blackcomb. It wasn't always good over there. It's not like an amazing pipe every day. Yeah. We'd go and tread the pipe. And when we were coaching, we'd some, you know, the guys would want to ride the pipe. And so mm. we'd like ride pipe with them. But yeah, we weren't like going and like so you were trying saying- to learn runs and shit like at all. Like you'd learn trick, you'd try and learn tricks maybe. Yeah. On a, if you'd find a good part of the wall and, but yeah, we were, free riding was our thing. Just, yeah. just snowboarding, just snowboarding everywhere, you know. So you're learning like you make twists and stuff off natural features and then take them to the pipe? Yep. Right. Yep. Huh. Yeah, potentially. So. First up. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, it was, it was, I remember, I really, like, the Mick Twist, that was a trick I, I really wanted to learn. Yeah. A fucking Mick Twist. Yeah. Because one, Terrier, sick, and, and then other was the skateboarding influence behind yeah. my snowboarding. And I was like, fucking the Mick Twist is, like, such a classic and good trick. Classic know? vert skate trick, eh? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Strong yeah. lineage and, right there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, and I just liked the whole style and the you know the the whole shit behind a mctwist backside wall fucking hang upside down like and and it's it's a it's a, it's a pretty scary trick actually like i haven't done one for a long time I imagine. and i'm not i would like to do one again but mm. fuck i don't know if, i don't know, if I don't know for, like for me as an outside looking in like hanging upside down above an icy half pipe wall that fuck oh yeah doesn't like, you know. And a pipe is like the gnarliest place you can do it. Yeah. On quarter pipes, real super fun. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's like way more floaty and because you, you haven't got the downward motion. Yeah, right. On a quarter pipe. Yeah. You're just going up and down. Yeah. Whereas in a pipe, you've got that, you've got the velocity of going down See, the pipe as well. Too, yeah. yeah. And on like a backside net, like, or yeah, ultimately like a, a natural like real verty like backside hip jump into yeah. a powder landing like that's that, that's Just like your dream spot to perfect. do a mctwist you know warm up cranking method straight to mctwist yeah i'll oh, say so, uh, you mentioned uh coronet and um a lot of people would probably now have a hard time believing that coronet actually had a pretty epic pipe for a couple of years um right under the green gates there yeah, yeah, and fuck yeah, Coronet, they had a really good pipe. Were you there the year that Glenn Leggett jumped off the chairlift wearing a wig into his half-pipe run? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Leggy was a fucking maniac, he was so good. Like, I mean, it's pretty fucking psycho, right? Like, oh, don't yeah. know many people have jumped off a chair and Oh, dude, yeah, that was epic, and we did like, we'd, you'd look at it and talk about it, but no one did it until yeah. Leggy did it. And then, I don't think anyone else did it after that either. <laughs> like yeah. off the chair into the tranny. Fuck, I mean, it was sick. There's no room for error on that, eh? And funnily enough, actually, I think the reason behind that now you've sparked my memory is that um, <clears throat> this guy Yannick, a French Canadian dude who was the pipe guy at Blackcomb, yeah, he came to Coronet, right, and started building that pipe. So this is like maybe '98 around 98 2000s yeah to that and so their pipe got really good yeah, yeah that, that, that was that was a good pipe mm. for sure yeah yeah and uh, and current air was like and that's where you know i after i think first year in whistler with denny and then so i started i moved over to queen sound dark side of the range oh yeah um but basically because we had work there you know yeah and it was like yeah fuck and there was just this whole other 
kind of scene starting up in Queenstown, and we'd ride Coronet, which was a super fun mountain. Awesome it's basically place, like so. a yeah. yeah, wicked like skate park. Yeah, like it's kind of like a mini version of TC. Mm. Yeah, a lot but of like lot of, heaps of like super fun natural jumps and little valleys and gullies and yeah. That place on a powder day, everything's on. Yeah, it's just the best side hit mountain there is. Yeah, um, totally. Exchange, oh Jesus, like the spine, like some classics. I mean, how good was Sirius before they slammed the trail through there? Like, yeah, well, I, I don't awesome. even know. I haven't been there for for a long time. I've done some night riding, but um, yeah, like. Yeah, so and we shredded Coronet hard for like mm. so a bunch was, of seasons. Who were some of the heads in the Queenstown scene at that time? Um, I guess there was like a <clears throat> there was the whole STS Grom crew. Yeah, coming up like Aaron Jameson, um, Glenn Leggett, Sam Duvall, Barnaby Newton. Um, so Glenn Howe. So it was those guys, yeah, Howe, Glenn Howe. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Um and then there was you know, fuck there was also like um Logan Holt. Yeah. And R M B Total So Total Shredder. Yeah. Um He's still doing it now. Oh right? totally. Like, like he's a later. fucking legend, man. Yeah. Like he is he is I think he's got the longest standing fucking pro career snowboard career of any kiwi like yeah and he still rips hard and he's such a nice guy um but yeah you know and so oh he fucking there's so many names i actually you know Mm. can't even remember and then you know slightly after that like all the darrow crew you know there's like um yeah it was like nick hine nick brown josh clark blair finlay um heath yeah heath yeah i mean uh, mark anderson yeah, and those videos Koya. are raucous too, eh? Yeah, yeah, like, dude, like, <laughs> a very, very super solid crew of mm. guys there. And then even, like, these... I used to run, like, a little coaching thing just on the side for, like, the 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 Grommies then, who was, like, Teddy and Sam Hanna and, like, oh, yeah. um, Jethro Mains, Toby Mills, and, like, their... Teddy and Sam's parents ran, like, Joe's Garage. Oh, yeah? And... So I knew them, and the, and the, this whole like in those years in Queenstown, there was this whole fucking um, really cool scene emerging. It's pretty uh, nice. A, scene, yeah, yeah, right? culture. It was yeah. a real culture of um, snowboarding and like mountain town life and music. You know, with mm. like um, downtown Brown and KP. And then P. Diggs, Polder, mm. rolled into town. I was living with my good buddy Raf, who was like a fucking, like the wickedest, like reggae dance hall DJ. Brand. And this was all in subculture. Yeah, nah, and they're all originally TARDIS. TARDIS. That's what I was thinking of. And TARDIS is like a shoebox yeah. sort of thing, right? Yeah. It's now a Japanese restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And I walked past it, I was like, how the fuck was that place a fucking club? Like, <laughs> Oh, dude, Satardis, yeah. holy shit, that place was out of control, you know. And mm. and think about this, just up around the corner, out of a hole in the wall, was Fergburger. Yes, that's right, yeah. Cal Lane. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how Fergburger started, fucking hole in the wall. Yeah. Now, yeah. like, running the fucking main street of Queenstown. <laughs> but, and then Tardis, and, <clears throat> and we were, like, friends with all those guys, and that was just the go-to spot, you know, like, and we had... <clears throat> probably not good for our health but crazy yeah we'd do like these 
swap swap deals <laughs> with, with like fair. snowboard gear oh, right. and stuff and so just had like with the Ferg dudes in, no no with TARDIS with TARDIS so we just had like endless bar tabs oh Christ yeah like trading <laughs> snowboard gear oh yeah so it was, it was pretty lethal <laughs> but very fun <laughs> yeah yeah well I remember at Queenstown at that time there was a lot of um what they had the park life rail jams and town and shit and there's a really yeah. vibrant snowboard scene there oh totally yeah Queenstown there was there was a full fucking there was a full scene man and like Queenstown was one of those places like and more so even than Wanaka especially when I was younger when we first started coming to the South Island it was it was like you're in another country, you know. Mm. You were like, "Oh my god!" Because the lake, the mountains, the gondola—you know—you could mm. see the lights going up there, and yeah. this real vibe of, you know. And yeah. I, <clears throat> and that was also like I was talking about. I'd do the road trip down. It was like, man, when when you like drove into Queenstown. One thing I do need to mention, I think, about those um, those QT days, like late '90s, was the. Um, the influence of like the the local snowboard stores you know because there was a real crew mm. that <clears throat> worked at those stores and kind of revolved around those stores yeah it was kind of like um the hub of the scene like i remember visiting queenstown and i did the only shop i knew of was nz shred but i'd always go in there and try and hang out or some shit before Rob Johnson was sort of kick me out or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, you'd go and ha- shop groms, go yeah. hang out, watch watch snowboard movies and kind of look at mm. stuff. You'd end up, you know, kind of getting roped in to like help someone out sometimes or whatever. <laughs> but, or they'd be like, yeah, time, time to move on. Because <laughs> so, like every town sort of had its core shop, right? Like even the cities and... Yeah, for sure. Sort of there stuff, was... Right? Um, Queenstown, you know, places like Queenstown had had a few, you know, but, mm. and then the cities kind of had one or maybe two, depending. Christchurch had a couple, you know. There was mm. kind of one in Auckland, and <clears throat> oh man, fuck it, let's let's give props to the shops that. So you said Christchurch, and I want to give props to Wideload. Oh yeah, for sure. Because um, like I grew up skating in Dunedin, and the dudes, the younger guys that I grew up skating with. They made it a point that they'd go up to Christchurch and support Wide Load. Like, yeah, totally. Like Wide Wide Load was OG man. It was you mm. know Aaron Bolt's store, and it was a it was a core snowboard shop. It was Aaron. I think Seamus even worked there for a while. Um, I think like Greg Timms worked there even. Like, yeah, there was, yeah. A, there was a full crew, you know, and <clears throat> and I rode for Wide Load for a while, and that was like when I I was living in Queenstown, but I was like, yeah, was like, <laughs> Aaron was like, oh, do you want to? ride for the shop yeah. I might have even asked him yeah. <laughs> I was like can or, I ride for wide load always on the like, team, yeah because <laughs> he, he was um yeah he was he was mm. just cool you know and I'd known him since I was quite young so wide load was Aaron Bolt's sort of one of the a name that hasn't been mentioned in heaps in previous episodes or anything he's one of the OG sort of that Ewan Strait era Steen Webster era of New Zealand snowboarding right one of the first to really good amongst it yeah 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 for sure like and, yeah him and him and Seamus and mm. potentially Steen those guys all travelled together to and, the states like early you know like late 80s and yeah he, mm. and he was always a full supporter and still is you know he's still wide load and then he ran Quest Christchurch for a long yep. time and now I'm pretty sure he runs Cheapskates uh, oh right 
Christchurch, yeah. Right, out yeah. of it, because that would have been Quest's competition back in the day too. Super, yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, knowledgeable about snowboarding because he's been mm. in it for so long. But, um, you know, and then in Queenstown, there was, when we were super young and started going down there, there was like BOA. They still have my favourite ad I've ever seen, one of my favourite ads I've ever seen for a snowboard shop. I still don't even know what the fuck it means now, 20-something, 30-something years later. Um, the one with the kids saying, Mom, I had a neon meat dream of an octopus. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, no, I don't know if I do. Because <laughs> uh, I, I see the ends a couple of years back. It's like, dude, what did that even mean? Like, oh, just, we're just trying to get attention. <laughs> yeah, like, and that was like, that was Ants, I th- think, originally. Ants, mm. Rusky Jones, and mm. um, BOA. And it was like, in the early days, you know, it was like Steve Dunstan and Brad Plumis and... Oh, like Ash Nichols and like there's heaps of crew, you know, around that and that was kind of the hangout spot. So were those dudes all, like Steve Dunstan and those dudes were working there as well? Yeah, I think so. Holy I mean, shit. I'm pretty sure so Steve worked a, there for a while, yeah. That's a pretty heavy, you see what those guys have gone and done, that's a pretty heavy lineup right there. Yeah, totally. And um, yeah, and then I guess Ant went on to BOA, kind of became Quest. Because he now owns and manages Quest. Yep. Yeah. And so that, and him and... and Back in the day, Russell, oh, Russell yeah. the Riddler, Riddell, yeah. he was involved in that too. All right. So it was Ants and Russ, and there was, you know, there was like a real core crew who worked there mm. um, that re- that were pretty was, pivotal in like the Queenstown snowboard scene. Like was Craig Strong working at Quest? Yep. I thought so, because I remember before I actually knew him, I, I knew about him through skating. And dudes were like, oh, he's got the biggest backside 180 ollies and shit. Yeah, Craig mm. Strong, mm. for sure. Like, he was he was um, <clears throat> leading the charge there. Um, Tony Howarth, Matt Finlay. Can we talk about those three dudes a bit more? Because um, they've all come up. Like, okay, all right, Craig Strong, Pavement in Dunedin, which is a strictly a skate store. Yep. But what people that know him through that probably wouldn't realise is he was quite... I guess influential in the Queenstown snowboard and skate scene. Like he got the, he helped get the current Queenstown skate park built. But he was quite a big um, influence in the snowboard scene too, right? Yeah, totally, man. Like all those guys were just um, undercover charges, you know. Like mm. they were, but they were, you know, they were working, working in the shop, snowboarding when they could, and you know, long time, long time residents mm. doing it for the love of. <clears throat> living in Queenstown and snowboarding, really, you know. Yeah. And, and um, <clears throat> was it Tony Howarth was one of the original sub twenty team riders. Yep, yep. Tones was he. He was. He was. He's been. He was in the scene for a long time. Like in uh, a burden one. He was like on the burden test team, and, and I lived with Tones for a couple of I, years in QTs. Yeah, yoga was, yoga dude or something too, right? Nah, no? nah, mountain biker, early, really good mountain biker oh, early right. in so the day. Got yep. my wires crossed on that one. Sorry, Tony. Yeah, and Matt Finlay, who was, um, I'm not sure, I think he was Quest. He was he was an Auckland boy. Shit, I remember. Skater, him. those those guys are all Auckland, ex-Auckland crew, actually. I remember seeing them skate at the <clears> old Queenstown skate park. Guys I was skating with were like the Gromits in Queenstown. And they're like, yeah, he's sponsored by Taipei. Or something like, whoa, no way! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I think he was maybe yeah, right, yeah. type A. Yeah, he was, he was, he was Rad, Rad and Shredder, and then and then there was heaps of other crew. You know, like there was like Kaza and um, Steve Ferg's even did some time Ferg? at Quest later on. Oh yeah, 
Amy, who now is kind of helps manage that store, is oh Amy. Amy holds it down fucking hard. Yeah, like it's cool that you brought up the stores and how they were the hub because it feels like that's been lost a little. But you still got that feel with Quest when you go in there these days. It sort of feels like a snowboard story. You yeah, know? well, and, <clears throat> and it was like the the stores were the um with a spot, and the you know everyone was kind of um associated with a store mm. you know like uh, you, you started out kind of your first step of maybe like getting sponsored or getting some kind of hookup if it was just deals you know mm. was through a store yeah you know and so that, it was like whether it was like quest or um you know steep and cheap which became alter as cookie mm. in queenstown um dead shred with jeremy there was the board house mm. monica rion and kazu Wide so load. Would that be something that your say a board sponsor would look at like oh this guy Dylan would think of a sponsor him, does he have a shop sponsor? Yes, and, and would that be like a deal breaker? Oh, if you read if he's got a shop sponsor then we're interested or something like that? Yeah, yeah, well totally because that was like the first step and like the stores would you know, they'd hook you up and then maybe the um you'd get to know a distributor or a distributor would talk to the store and they're like, what's this guy like? Is he, you know, are they cool? Like, are they, and mm. they'd be like, yeah. And then you, you know, that would be the second step. So you got like hooked up by a distributor or a brand and yeah. And that, that's how it all started, you know, like back, back then it was, mm. um, it was really, um, did revolve around those, those stores, those core snowboard stores for sure. Yeah, and it's sort of lost in this internet day and age, isn't it? It's sort of a bit of shame. It sort of seems like the, the internet kind of killed the community. Yeah, yeah, Somewhat. a little bit, because yeah. that, that was the meeting spot, you know? Mm. And, like, even... Like, shops would put comps on. Like, remember, Wide Load always had the Wide Load Pipe Comp. Right? Yeah, yeah, Wide Load Pipe Jam, you know, but, and, heart, you know, and you'd go yeah. to those comps and... Yeah, and, and everyone would be like... Ugh. And I'm sure Cheapskates had their thing... Quest still have their thing with their bank slam. Have you done their bank slam? I haven't actually. Oh, dude! Unfortunately, if, if you like carnage, it's your fucking place to go. <laughs> it's um, uh, JJ talks about it a bunch in his episode, so we'll leave that one of that. But if handle a couple of snowballs to the face, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah, yeah, yeah like I, yeah, I, th- you know, those guys are definitely big, big ups mm. to to all those like crew who worked in the shops you know yeah. owned the shops and you know because they they really did like look after young crew coming up yeah i had no idea that steve ferg's was in the shop I yeah well his, his original store actually was city boards oh really from auckland Red. yeah well, before he moved to queenstown and that was like vic newman and uh charlotte um yeah and so city boards and so steve that charlotte win yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember just, I just uh, seen a picture in New Zealand Snowwater of her back in the day. Yeah. And so they were kind of the Auckland connect, you know. And, and they and sponsored some heavy, like Logan Holt was, like there's a lot of heavy riders. Yeah, yeah, them, right? totally. And <clears throat> they were, yeah, definitely that was probably the go-to store in Auckland, you know. And like and mm. even going back even like way further, the, the original one was um was called the Blue Tile Lounge. Yeah. On Simon Street. Hmm. Which was super, yeah. Seamus was kind of um, 
hooked up with those guys, maybe even worked there or something. But I remember, I think I bought my first pair of snowboard boots from there. And oh, yeah. I, and like my second board, like the Santa Cruz, ASIM, and like some Airwalks, when Airwalks were just like the go-to. Mm. So I just remember, say, well, with City, like, they were, they had a gnarly skate team of like, um, was it Zeb Bell and Dan Buckley and like what became the Huffer Dudes. But this, yeah, they had a, like the snow team was just as heavy and I think they even had their own boards for a while I think Logan Holt showed me one back in the day like an old city board like where the fuck a skate deck or a snowboard snowboards oh no way yeah it's like because they didn't even because the only people I thought were pressing boards was ribcage and they looked nothing like a ribcage construction so I don't know where that yeah, well, they from, had they had they had some good brands. They potentially had some hookups, like through some other brands or something. Oh, yeah. you know? And like, and actually, my original store this is going way back after Blue Toll Lounge era was um a shop called The Snowboard Shop. Second, uh, yeah, yeah, it was involved. Yeah. It was um a guy called Gareth Wignall, oh, and yeah. uh, Steen Webster was involved. Uh, Gareth Wignall was a Nitro dude back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, they were the Nitro distributors and and some other skate brands and stuff. And um, yeah, I worked there when I was in like like in seventh form. <laughs> Used to do after hours drive from the shore to the city, <clears throat> do some work, mm. and then <clears throat> head out to Mirawai. But um, yeah, and they were like my OG sponsor, really potentially one of my first sponsors as well the snowboard shop and so there was a store in Auckland and Stanley Street and then there was one in uh, Queenstown as well Rad. so I just remember that triangle logo so my first ever snowboard video I bought was Nature of the Beast that was sponsored by those like it was those <coughs> dudes so like whoa yeah yeah like, and it, well, yeah, and yeah. it was the original one was um, yeah Ken Arkenbach in mm. Canada who's like a like a legend in the Canadian snowboard snowboard scene as well yeah so yeah, there was that scene, and so if we've got to talk about the Queenstown scene this time, um, I do want to bring up um, you had a uh, you were sort of involved with the snowboard workshop there um, with uh, Dean Firth and Rob Johnston. Dean Firth, bit of a character. What was it like working for those two dudes? Oh my god! Holy shit! That was um, yeah, epic time. So. I met I I kind of knew Dean a little bit through just hanging out in Queenstown and then um I ended up maybe my third or third or fourth season in Queenstown um we we got a house together mm. me and Dino we because dude you'd go to Queenstown and I was near like I never had a house lined up or anything yeah I'd just turn up yeah and then be like okay now I've got to get a house like yeah. or a room or whatever and then. And so Dino and I got a flat one year, and he was <clears throat> at that stage. Rob, I think Rob originally started the snowboard workshop, yeah. And then he was like the you know like you are. He was the fucking doctor of fixing snowboards and skis. And then Dean took over the like tuning side of things, yeah. And so I ended up living with Dean, and I was I was doing the coaching stuff at the time and riding the bunch. And he was like, oh man, like we're so fucking busy, like just come and whack come and work and wax boards and I was like yeah sweet like and that's Aaron Jameson and Leggy were doing it as well they were like the OG crew Mm. and then I and but it was so it was honestly so fucking busy and so I was like yeah I'll come and like wax boards like man like what else are you gonna do like yeah and basically we'd like we'd get like paid in like beer and (laughs) 
Like he, he still paid us, but people yeah. would just like bring so much beer and stuff, and and it was mm. like super social, you know, because Queenstown mm. had quite a like night vibe going on. Yeah. Everybody would be like walking around, and so we're just yeah, Dino and like so funny, like you can imagine like what's, and Rob Johnson, yeah. like some of the shit that they'd like say to people. What's um, what's the most awkward position Dean Firth put you in? <laughs> I, I can't even remember there's probably been so many like they'd like say shit to like customers that would walk in and then the customer would just be like oh alright stand still like just going do they like are these guys serious <laughs> or like <clears throat> but they'd always um <clears throat> like the two dry it would all, yeah dry. yeah it would always work out like people would be like fucking hell what did he just say to me like and then they'd come back they'd like pay for their board to get tuned and they'd bring you a six pack you know and you'd be like yeah well, I lived with Dean in uh, Colorado yeah that year that we stayed and, with you guys yeah, yeah. and um, Christ I was just in awe of the dude it was like this like because he's quite a bit older than me so he's like oh the cool older brother but he was so funny and raw and Always had a fart joke on hand, like just um, oh, just jokes the whole time. Yeah, like you yeah. couldn't <clears throat> if you didn't know him, and like I got to know him pretty quick. But it was like, yeah, like most of the shit that comes out of his mouth, he's like trying to rack you up, <laughs> or like yeah. I think Joe, his now wife, had the best story of like how they met or something. She was like out on holiday with her friends in Queenstown or some shit. Come over from Oz. And at the time, I think Queenstown only had the only supermarket was the Alpine Four Square Food Market, uh, just above where the Snowball Workshop is. And uh, she's like walking around, walks around, and there's Dean bowling frozen chickens down the down the <laughs> aisle with his mates or some shit. The first first time that she met him. <laughs> oh, dude! And that, but that dude, that was a lethal recipe working there because we'd snowboard all day. Fucking go home. Roll into the, you know, have a, have a shower, whatever, fucking take your shit off. Sometimes not even. Roll into the workshop, start waxing boards, scraping boards. Dean I'd be grinding and stuff. We, I, we were just on the wax and scrape, basically. And and then um and then you'd be, like, drinking beer. Get some food at some point, maybe. But then, and then you'd, like, wrap up, like, you know, 11 o'clock or, like, even, like, later... And then Dino loved, he'd be like, World Bar teapots. Like, teapots at World Bar, which is like a fucking teapot full of shots. So you'd go and do that. And then we'd, like, end up at TARDIS till, like, fucking two, three, four in the morning. That was awful. And then just rinse and repeat, like, they, like five, six, five days a week at least. Like, I, I can imagine Dino uh, being enthusiastic about that. They had teapot shots. Yeah. So this time you were sort of travelling with snowboarding a bunch too. Is that sort of... Is this about the time where you're sort of travelling to the battle? Sort of yeah, things? yeah. Well, that's like a... This is a little bit pre that. Because um, we're kind of... We're, quite, we're actually quite locked into this job. Oh, yeah. And so we couldn't travel that much. But what we... We used to be able to take like... Um, a couple of weeks off a couple of times like especially in the in, in New Zealand we were pretty locked in we could go and do comps and shit but um 
in the Northern Hemi season, we were quite locked in in Whistler, but um, we could take a couple of weeks off like here and there to do stuff. And so I started um, going over to the US Open. Okay. In, which is in Vermont, like in East Coast, Ice Coast. Yeah. But like the HQ of Burton. And I just, like, and I used to, I did that on my own for like a couple of years. And I get, the reason I did that was I just, I just saw it as like a very, like, as the kind of iconic event. Mm. And of, so could anyone enter the US Open? Yep. Right. Anybody can enter. You had to go through pre qualifiers though. It was gnarly. Right. Yeah. Like, it was heavy. Yeah. Like, it was like 300 people in the pre-qualifiers and then I think like only like the top 16 fucking hell so it was went a real through. war of attrition yeah 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 and then there was and or may, it might have been slightly more it wasn't that many and then there's like all the invited riders and then and then it's like qualies and then semis and then finals so, so all it was a three day event all but, the invited riders would be like the current professional yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. It's like yeah. Terriers, you know, fucking DCPs, Daniel Frank, um, fuck, so you ended up, Dio Morissette, like, yeah, oh, everybody, Gianna so, Simon. So like, you ended up competing against these guys. Yeah, sometimes, like yeah. in the like the first couple of years, I like I didn't even make it through prequels. Like yeah. that's how good they are. Like, and you go over to the East Coast, and there's all these kids that you've never never heard of before. Mm. And they're used to riding fucking icy pipes and on the east coast in Vermont and shit, and they fucking rip, man. Yeah. Like they're so good. Like it was like that was an eye opener for me. Like, and they're just kids that are just out after school riding, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, or not kids, you know, maybe. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, like the level of snowboarding was like that was like a real fucking eye opener to yeah. go over there and be like, okay, this is what. Like and because that was that was the pinnacle of um, events at the time, really. Yeah. Because it was kind of at the end of the season. It was World Cup wasn't really happening, and the level in like FIS and World Cup events were not definitely nowhere near as high as yeah. what that was. Right. Yeah. Like so, the Burton, the US Open, the, Bur- the US Open deal. was the fucking go-to. Like, and right. you know this in like the late nineties. Yeah. So I think the first year I went over there was like maybe 1998. Right. Man. And for, oh, it was, dude, it was mental. Like I went, went on my own, um, flew to like <clears throat> Montreal, rented right. a car, drive down and it's like fucking the backwards, like in like French only speaking yeah. part of Canada. Yeah just like whoa this is kind of crazy like <laughs> and then roll into vermont and then that's where like the burden the burden factory is and burden hq and i knew i knew people there through my relationship with burden and you yeah. get there and they'd be like yo like so friendly and awesome right and check in there and then kind of you know make your way down and 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 spend like a week and so, and then they all, everybody, like the whole burden, like workforce would come down and hang out for the open. Like it was, it awesome. was just the thing, you know, like. It's just not the same at Vale, eh? Like, yeah. Oh, it was sick. So, like, dude, in the, the first year I went and I, you know, pretty sure I like bombed out in prequels and not much was happening, but it was just hanging out and fucking like, it was in, in the main, um, 
village of Stratton at the time. That was the last year it was ever there. It was it got fucking so ruckus. It was like big Punisher and like Fat Joe and the Terror Squad, like crazy New York hip hop dudes came up and played. And like and it was just chaos. There was there was two crowds and I didn't realise at the time but apparently it was like all the city, all the New York State crew and then all the like New England crew, like Vermont, New Hampshire. Oh, right. And, like, there was, like, massive, like, rumbles going on. <laughs> fucking People, and then people were throwing snowballs, and then, like, all, like, they had, like, a, there was a posse of, like, 15 massive fucking um, rappers with, like, big pun and shit, and then they, like, all jumped off the stage and, like, beating people up, like, fighting. <laughs> It's like wooden wooden ski racks were like getting lit on fire like at the at, the, <laughs> at like the base of the lift and shit. It was like carnage, man. And I was like, "This is sick. <laughs> this is a Burton competition yeah. too." Holy this fuck. is the US Open, bro. Like, holy shit! It's and I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure after that year it got fucking like banned. Right. from the main village and they're like nah and they like there was like another side of the mountain with like a smaller base and shit and they pushed it over there but like and I was so stoked that I was here that, there that year you know because it was like Fucking and hell, the, like the yeah. pipe finals were just ridiculous it was the best riding that you'd see you know so was this sort of Terrier's dominance um, sort of thing I think it was I think Terrier was there I think it was like it was definitely it was he wasn't winning that at that time right it was like it was like the crew and, and it, the funny thing was at the open sometimes it was like a random dude it was like Guillaume Morissette like a French yeah. Canadian guy you know like yeah but he's doing you know 12 foot switch backside fives on the first hit fuck that's quite a tech yeah yeah guy. yeah and like Abe right. Teter Michael Chuck doing yeah. like double chucks and shit like yeah yeah it was and the hype everything about it was just like fucking really mental you know like yeah it was just like this mega hype and build up and then like woo, everyone just, partying in town everyone's just stirred into a frenzy yeah 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 it was problem. it was like a frenzy like basically Fuck. like it was just like wow <laughs> so, this is crazy that's um so when you crashed with us that um 0203 winter were you on your way out to vermont then for the open because there was something about a world... I remember there's something about a world quarter pipe champs that was... World quarters was... It was like a different standalone and quite a unique event. Okay. <laughs> so it was awesome, actually. Um, The world quarters was like the... It was... It ran after the US Open, and it was run by Pat Bridges, who's like a super East Coast legend, um, editor of Snowboarder Mag, like, mm. for years. Fucking awesome dude, like, cool as, and... Yeah, and so he had... He ran the World Quarters, which was, um, yeah, always after the Open, and always, like, kind of in some... In a random, like, East Coast spot. Like, um, one year we went to it, it was um, the year after, like, 2002, I think, when when... I was at the US Open quarters, and then they were all like, yo, we're going to the world quarters next. It was, I was like, yeah, sick. Like, Roald Down was in New Hampshire, <laughs> live free or die. I think that that's like their, um, <laughs> the state motto. Whoa, it's, on all the, so- it's on all the number plates and shit. But so, and that year I went, and it was all like, um, 
it was like Rice, Danny Cass, all the Grenade crew, all the like East Coast crew. So this time when Grenade was just blowing up. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Like, and it was mental. We fucking, we all went down to New Hammy. Everyone, we like, probably like three quarters of the crew who were in the event, we all like booked into this hotel, random hotel, and then within like two hours like everybody's getting kicked out of the hotel <laughs> what did you get kicked out by for? the police holy shit uh, I I feel like it was um, like Danny Cass and those guys were just like going nuts like oh, every, everybody was drinking like it was like parties in the hallway yeah and then suddenly they were just like no everyone's the kicked out hotel got, where'd you guys go oh i can't remember dude we ended we ended up at some like massive like party in like a warehouse <laughs> <laughs> in like new ham i can't even remember the name of the town fucking but and that yeah it was like crazy like and it was the quarter pipe wasn't amazing it was at like a super small like east coast resort you know and but you had to when you you had to run the gauntlet so what was the gauntlet? So the gauntlet, like, that was, like, the run-in to the quarter. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much all the other competitors and spectators formed, like, a fucking tunnel and just, like, throwing beer, oh. Red Bull, <laughs> snowballs. So you'd, like, run the gauntlet and then hit the quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, so you had to have a wee wipe your goggles. Oh, t- yeah, yeah. And- <laughs> it, was, it was ruckus. It burn, was like, burn your clothes afterwards. Yeah. It was super ruckus, I mm. remember. And I'm, I think I went back the next year as well, and it was in, like, Boston. Oh, right. At, at some crazy resort in Boston, yeah. Right, so it was just this touring carnage. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not sure how long it ran for, like, not a long time, but then, funnily enough, I've heard it's just, like, resurfaced, actually. Like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, With and Pat Bridges, I think, has maybe started a new magazine called Slush Magazine, and so, yeah, yeah, so that that... That'd be a pretty interesting one to check right. out. Well, I mean, that's kind of when I sort of seeing a resurgence of those sort of competitions and stuff. Like yeah, the totally, jam, man. Jam comps or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was just, cool. it was just a, it was the snowball community like getting together and fucking like just having fun, man. Like, mm. and, you know, so, so ruckus as and. So I'm curious, like you say, like everyone got kicked out of a hotel and it's got to be a pretty small town, like. What the fuck do you all do? Just go camp out somewhere oh, or some shit? I can't remember. I feel yeah. like we'd... Because we'd already... I think we all, we'd all done the event. Yeah. We'd all, like, driven down there and, like, done the event. And then so it was, like, the after-party night. Oh, right. And everyone was just fired up. And everyone had been <laughs> at the US Open for, like, you know, mm. a week. And so it was just, like, the full, like fucking let your hair out and <laughs> go mental <laughs> and like a yeah and were you rolling to these events on your own or did you have crew riding with you as well or? um oh, i can't remember I always, I always had like the dodgy rental car mm. so i'd roll down yeah and i remember i i took a i took a bunch of crew down with me mm. just like some young was, guns like some of the like grenade boys or whatever and and, and then i remember one year um marcus Whirl and I got a ride with Bridges. It was either to or from the US Open, mm. and he and somehow somehow we ended up with Pat Bridges driving, right. <laughs> and he was like, "Fuck!" He's like, "Yeah, the Kiwi boys like into it, you know." We're like sipping on a few beers, <laughs> just talking heaps of shit. He he was like, "Play some music." 
Marcus was like just playing his like classic fucking Marcus playlist of like Ween and like the Cosmic Psychos and Tism like <laughs> funny shit Bridges was like oh this is sick <laughs> yeah he was so he, he like he really liked us actually like and was always he was always like yo come to Superpipe like mm. fuck I never made it there but yeah I remember several occasions he was like fuck come to Super oh Super Park it Super was Park. the, the right. snowboarder event that they ran and I don't know why I didn't go I should have but but yeah, he he he's he's definitely like quite a legend in the mm. the snowboard community, you know. Yeah, oh, that's pretty cool to be able to rub shoulders with those sort of dudes. And he's got a real good hand plant. Oh, I remember seeing some US Open footage where he was dressed up as a cat or a teddy bear or some shit doing hand plants. Oh man, yeah, he's, that shit's hard to he's do. He's a funny dude, man. He's like <laughs> a fucking real cool guy. I think that that year actually was the first year I'd actually I'd bailed out of um, working full time in Whistler and I was travelling a bit more and I, I'd i actually been back to Japan that year for the first time since my 95 trip oh right did you notice a bit of a difference yeah I went back to Niseko and was hanging out up there for like a few weeks um, Q Diddy and all that crew were there it was like Glenn Leggett and Glenn Howe were there and you actually had a board that wasn't a 152? Yeah, I had like a Johan 63, so oh, I was like sorted. And yeah, that was a that was a real funny trip, and we were fucking, we are staying in this place, and Leggy was like working there for this guy, and he was a pension owner, a full Japanese guy, and he ran this pension, which is a lodge, right, and with all Japanese, and then Leggy was working for him, helping him out, like clearing snow and that kind of stuff for free rent. Glenn Howe was there and I was there and we had like a tiny bunk room like I was on top bunk and you had like you know a foot and a half above your head to the ceiling Jesus Christ yeah. and he he let me he was like yes Dylan can stay he's a good snowboarder it's good for the you know thing but fucking this guy was it was crazy dude because he was like they were, it was really strict mm. and he had like a a boy who lived in the lodge with all the others but he was like the enforcer Oh, so they'd like then you had to it was like lights out doors locked at like nine o'clock or like ten o'clock or something jesus and it was yeah. it was quite funny and i remember we were like fuck fuck that like i was like what the fuck like i'm i'm not like doing that and we used to like sneak out the window and like go to the bars and shit <laughs> get hammered yes. i remember and there was a big air comp and I ended up doing, I think I, I got like second or something in the big air and like the whole lodge was up there and they were like, like so excited because <laughs> I was like living at the lodge with them and we got, we like, I got, we got everybody like so fired up, fucking playing music and boozing and, and they, they like overthrew like the guy who, <laughs> <laughs> Enforcer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the it's like, well like yeah, like caused like a full fucking riot and <laughs> the like pigeon. <laughs> so Dylan Butts, figure of the revolution. Right? <laughs> Just so funny, bro. We we're, we're just like, oh my god. But it's kind of weird to be like, this is the modern world where we're adults and it's a nine o'clock curfew. Yeah, like, I know. Like, it was weird. And like, but like... that's like Japanese society. Like, you know, mm. they have some funny shit like that. But we were like, hmm. <laughs> but they were kind of like, well, if you're staying here, you have to obey the rules too. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Mm-mm." laughs> no. 
And then I went on a roadie. Oh, yeah. With Quentin and Will J, I think, down to Miyoko um, and stayed with like Jeremy Caird. Oh, sir. And a bunch of meth, meth and Canterbury boys. Holy shit, there would have been just about no foreigners in Miyoko at that time. Yeah, right? oh, no. Oh, oh, no, no. Those guys were pretty solid there, though. I think they'd been there for a couple of years already doing right. on some, some gig. Yeah, and so we hung out there. We did like a full fun as Japanese roadie, like on the caught like the ferry from Hokkaido down to like Niigata or something. It's like a quite a maybe like an eight or a twelve hour ferry ride or something. And yeah, it was sick. And then we all went to the Nippon Open. 